You're listening to the Everett Foursquare Lowell Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series uh, we've called There Is Always Hope. There is always hope. And, uh, and Jane, you can put that up. Uh, exploring the Lord's Prayer. I love this picture. It's a, it's a street artist, Banksy, who did this. There's always hope. It doesn't matter what your, what your background looks like, where you're at in life, what's happening, because there is always hope. And we've been exploring the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Uh, for most of this series, we've been settling in Matthew's gospel. Um, and, and what a great place to be situated, honestly, especially if you've been challenged of late, especially if you've been frustrated or hurt by the circumstances in your life. The last year and a half, we were just talking about that. The Lord's Prayer um, has power in our lives as we allow the Lord to work in it, as we, as we explore what Jesus taught us to pray and apply that to our own lives. And one of the things that we've said, uh, the power of Jesus' prayer isn't just that we talk about it for 30 minutes on Sunday morning. The power is the way that we're invited to, to offer our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to make this prayer come alive in our hearts and in our lives tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, every day as we trust Jesus one day at a time. And I'll be real honest, um, for me, exploring this passage, exploring the Lord's Prayer, which is very familiar to me, um, has been so life-giving. For me, um, you know, many of you know I, I, I took eight weeks and I, I just caught my breath. I needed to catch my breath. I was worn out. I was exhausted. I was frustrated. And sitting with the Lord's Prayer has been transformative to me and so refreshing. Just sitting with our Father, our Father. hallowed be your name. Would you be magnified and honored and holy? The, the, these lines that are familiar to me have been uh, in a new way, just impacting me very, very deeply. So I'm excited to get into where we're at today. Matthew chapter 6, we've got it on the screens. If you're online, there's a Bible tool that you can use as well. Uh, so here's what we've been, been looking at. Jesus taught us how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And that's where we're going to sit today. We're going to work on exploring this passage. You know, one of the big questions, you're probably not surprised, uh, one of the big questions around my house, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, what season it is. I've got three kids, a 14-year-old and, well, soon-to-be 14-year-olds, an 11-year-old and a soon-to-be 8-year-old. Guess what question is asked every day in my house? What's for dinner? And you know what really blows? I'm fine with that question. Like if I'm, it's, it's a little bit weird like when I'm actually cooking spaghetti and somebody comes in like, what's for dinner? And I'm like, what are you kidding? I've got spaghetti sauce and there's literally noodles, right? Spaghetti's for dinner, right? But, but here's one of the things that just blows my mind. This is, this is a, maybe this is, this is life having a teenager now, uh, um, Jaden loves to eat. We'll have family dinners on the weekend. He's back there doing fist bumps. He's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. We'll have family dinners on, or lunches on weekends, right? Like we try and really prioritize time because the weekdays were all over the map. We'll have lunch together, big lunch. It doesn't matter what it is. Guess what? 15, 15 minutes after we've eaten this huge lunch, Jaden's like, hey, what's, what's for dinner? 
Like, dude, I haven't even cleaned up lunch. Give me a moment to catch this up. Or maybe sometimes I'm like, why don't you ask your mother that? <laughs> don't ask me about dinner. I just did lunch. I wonder if Jesus was, uh, had any thoughts like that uh, when he taught his disciples to pray as we've been exploring this. You know, Jesus, in, in, throughout his ministry, he performed miracles and signs and wonders. And, and, and one of the things you see in multiple different uh, accounts and, and different points in the ministry of Jesus, he fed thousands of people. There's a, a recording of Jesus feeding 4,000, 5,000 people, lots and lots of people. So I wonder, and in fact, it's not hard to figure that there were probably some people who were following Jesus because they're like, hey, Jesus, what's for dinner? Right? Right? And, and I was looking at this today, uh, this week, wondering, uh, th I'm not trying to, to, to be heretical, but what if Jesus taught us this prayer like, our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Like, that's his answer. Like, don't ask me, ask the Father what's for dinner, guys. I'm done. I took care of lunch already. No, so we've been looking at this prayer, line by line, exploring how our prayers, how this prayer shapes us affects us, transforms us. And so far in these first four lines, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All of those four lines that we've already looked at really could be wrapped up with one key pronoun. And if, you're, if your Bible is the King James Version, that pronoun would be thy, right? Your Bible probably says you. We're, we're praying to the Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And now we're going to move into kind of the second part of the Lord's Prayer, these, 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 um, these second-level prayers. And these also could be wrapped up in a single pronoun, us. Give us our daily bread. Deliver us. Forgive us. And it isn't by accident uh, that Jesus gave us this prayer in this manner to address the Lord first, to ascribe glory and honor, to realign our hearts and our minds, to prioritize the holy God above everything else. The way that we engage with these us prayers, give us today our daily bread, they're intended to lead us back to the thy part of the prayers, the thy portions that, that provide us, when we, when we ask for provision, for guidance, for forgiveness, that is part of our lives glorifying our Father in heaven, hallowing God's name, living more fully into God's will. And it's important not to forget the thy portion of the prayer, because if you're anything like me, especially when it's crunch time, I go straight to the us part, or my pronoun changes just to me, right? God, I need this. God, God would, you, would you take care of this? God, I got this thing going on. And if we don't start with thy, if we don't start with our Father, well, anybody remember that movie, What About Bob, Bill Murray? Remember Bob? Bob had all of his issues, and he is so whiny. Dr. Marvin, I need, I need, gimme, gimme. I, I hate it when I catch myself and I discover my prayers are starting about what about Bob? So let's remember that as we move into these, uh, these us portions of prayer. Lord, your name be hallowed above all. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And those are knit throughout the second portion of the Lord's Prayer. And here it is. This is what Jesus taught us to pray, though. 
to invite God into our needs, what you and I are facing. Give us today our daily bread, he said. What does that look like for us today? What does that mean for us to make that our prayer? Well, I've got a couple questions that I think are going to frame how we can approach this, this line. And the first question is this. What do you hunger for? What do you hunger for? Give us today our daily bread, Jesus taught us. Feed us. Take care of my needs. Anybody ever heard of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Jay, I've got that, that uh, pyramid. Could you put that up for me? Anybody familiar with this? This is kind of a, a categorization of our needs. Here's something that's interesting, and, and I thought about this as I was looking at the Lord's Prayer. Our, our physiological needs, our, our need for food and water and warmth and rest, these are basic needs. They're, they're the bottom of the pyramid. They, they, they are just basic, everyday things. Food is massively important. It is. Even while it's down here, further on the list, it's at the bottom, and, and, and it, it maybe doesn't seem like such a spiritual thing. Food is important. And I believe that we can trust the Lord with our basic needs. Friends, I've heard sermons for days about trusting God with our daily bread, and I believe it to be true. It is absolutely true that God provides exactly what we need. I believe that. I believe that we can trust God with you can with your current needs, just as I can. It's a biblical principle. You can see it throughout Scripture. When God rescued Israel from, from, from slavery in Egypt in the book of Exodus, he, uh, God's people were led into the desert. They were hungry. God literally provided manna, this food from heaven. What is it, they said? It, it continues. You see this theme of God providing absolutely. Proverbs 30 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Jesus, even in this sermon... The Sermon on the Mount where Matthew uh, writes, where we find the Lord's Prayer here. Matthew, just a few sentences below where we're at already. Matthew 6.25, Jesus says, hey, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Uh, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Absolutely, I believe God provides for our physical needs. Bottom-tier stuff. Absolutely. You're important to God. Your needs matter. But, but I wanted to, to, to maybe peel the onion back a little bit and, and, and dive a little bit deeper into the sentence, give us today our daily bread, because I know God cares about our physical needs, our physiological things like food and water and shelter. I know that. But I also believe there are some eternal principles, even in this one line, that, that we can ask, what are we hungry for? And maybe take shape of that. What am I hungry for? Uh, honestly, give us today our daily bread. Hey, Jay, I've got another picture. Uh, it, it's an interesting to say, give us today our daily bread, because if you go to the grocery store, man, I can get whatever bread I want, right? I can get bread from Norway. I can get gluten-free bread. I can get, I can get uh, unleavened bread. I can get English muffins. I can get multigrain. I can get zero grain. I can get all kinds of bread. So what does it mean when we say, man, give us today our daily bread? We know God's going to take care of our physical needs. We can trust that. And if you're in a place today where you need to trust the Lord, could we contend together that God will provide for you? But I think that there's something even greater than just that. Maybe, maybe more important, because absolutely God cares about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Absolutely. But maybe it's more important for us to, 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 to call on or, or to explore this and ask our Heavenly Father to reshape our needs 
to be centered on the word of God, on the gospel of Jesus Christ when we say, give us today our daily bread. At the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, so you could turn your Bible just a page backwards, there's this section called the Beatitudes. We're talking about give us today our daily bread. Lord, Lord, help us when we're hungry. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fed. Boy, that reshapes the way I look at give us today our daily bread. What do you hunger for? I would say today that if we, if we would want to learn to pray like Jesus, as Jesus taught us to pray, our prayers should include, Lord, give us our daily bread of righteousness. Not just my physiological needs. In John chapter 6, uh, I think this is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 6. This is an account, in fact, when Jesus fed 5,000 people um, Jesus feeds all of these people. He, he, he's teaching and, and doing these signs and wonders in John's gospel, and all of these people are following him. And, and in verse 5, it starts here, it says, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, to one of his disciples, where are we going to buy bread so that these people might eat? He said this to test him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, saying, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Uh, a denarii is basically a day's wage. If we were to do our, our math and say that, that somebody made $25 an hour, that let's just make easy math, 200 denarii would be about $40,000. That's how many people. Philip's like, hey, guess what? $40,000 isn't going to foot the bill for this, Jesus. I do not know how we're going to feed all of these people. There's, of course, the one little boy whose mother sent him out the door prepared with some fish and bread, and Jesus took it and blessed it, broke it up. And you can continue reading in this passage, and it says uh, uh, that the disciples, after everybody finished eating, collected 12 baskets of leftovers. I hope you guys like fish jerky because that's what we're eating for the next two weeks, disciples. <laughs> Quit complaining. What's for dinner? That's what's for dinner, guys. And Jesus went across the lake, and, and the people followed, and the people were, were crying out, and they were saying, they, they were wondering what was going on, and, and, uh, and so all these people came up. The, the crowd remained on the other side of the sea, and they saw that there was only one boat standing there. This is in verse 22. Other boats from Tiberias came near, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. What kind of bread? What are you hungry for? Jesus saying, you wanted yesterday's leftovers, which is fine, but that, that's why you're here. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. God, give us that bread. God, give us that bread. The, the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Give me the bread that quenches that. That bread sounds delicious to me. Verse 35, here's, here's, here's what it comes down to. Jesus said these instrumental words, important words. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What are you hungry for? Jesus is asking these people. 
If, if, if you just want a Subway sandwich, I, I can get that for you, he says. We've got 12 baskets worth. But I'm the bread of life. I, I've seen this throughout my life. I've seen many people, even in a church setting, in, even in uh, Christian contexts, who are living like they're people following Jesus, subsistence faith, like just day by day. I just, I, I just need one more basket of food, Lord. That's all I want. And Jesus is saying, yeah, absolutely. I want to take care of your physical needs. But guess what? There's so much more. There's so much more for you. I'm the bread of life. Cultivate the hunger and thirst for righteousness, and, and, and I'll meet that need too. What are you hungry for? I think Jesus is asking as we read through the Gospels. Here's the other question that I wanted to ask. Uh, who, who do you think will feed you? Who do you go to feed you? Where do you go? I think it's great objectively to say, boy, I, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Absolutely. Where are you going to go to get fed? Who do you trust for your daily bread? Jesus teaches us to pray. Where do you go? I, I talked about the, the podcast that I've been listening to um, a lot lately there's the podcast called the rise and fall of mars hill fascinating podcast it's a super long podcast so if you have a long road trip it's great it's like nine hours i've loved it um talking about this this church in seattle if you're not familiar with mars hill uh started in the early 90s grew massively 15,000 people on a sunday morning fell apart almost overnight and so they're just talking through what took place, the things that transpired. And one whole hour of this conversation was devoted how the pastor and the leadership, and again, this is not a dig, this is merely uh, an observation and things that we can learn looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, uh, Mark Driscoll, I believe, lives just like any Bible hero, epic highs and some abysmal lows. So this is, this is just something I heard, and it just struck a chord in my mind. Uh, they're talking about how the pastor and leadership, one of the things that led to what took place at Mars Hill, uh, they started using media. They were the first to post MP3s on their website, all these things, and they began to see the fruit of that, and then the fruit actually became the end goal, just getting things out there for people. And what ended up taking place was those, those media techniques were coercive. They were manipulative. Uh, they, they were sometimes hurtful in, in twisting opinions and spiritual development, building up an image of the church and the pastor, not just our Father in heaven who is to be hallowed. And there was this interesting moment in the podcast when the host was talking about this use of media, and, and, and the host said, you know, media comes from the Latin word medium, which, which means in the middle in Latin. And Mars Hill was using all of these things, putting all of these things, using media, all of these great tools, which, which hey, they're, they're tools. They can be effective when wielded correctly with, with humility and grace. All of these tools. But guess what? For so many people, they got in middle of their faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the trick. When I pray this prayer, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Uh, boy, I'm willing myself to say, Lord, will you show me if there's anything in middle of me? between you and me. Where am I going? Who's feeding me? 
That's the question that, that we as God's people should always be alert to. We, we, we talked about uh, the will of God, uh, your will be done. Just a couple weeks ago, we started with the passage from Romans chapter 12. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will this is a team effort the whole thing uh, uh, of those pronouns thy and us this is an us thing where do we go to be fed brothers and sisters paul wrote about one of the beautiful things about this crazy thing called church is that there's people from all walks of life who are being knit together by the Holy Spirit and together with different opinions and thoughts and worldviews, we get to trust the Holy Spirit and say, we want to be fed by the, the bread of life. Not through a media that suits my fancy today. One of the most important things I see happen when we gather is that we can trust the Lord. Our hunger and thirst for righteousness as we cultivate that together to make that our prayer. Lord, give us today our daily bread as authentic and honoring to you. I was talking with somebody earlier this week and, and, and this dear friend of mine was saying, boy, uh, it was world-changing when he realized that participating in a community of faith, uh, participating in a family of church wasn't just showing up and getting fed. Hey, showing off, Jesus, what's for breakfast? I heard you had fish and bread last night. What have we got? <laughs> but it's participating, engaging, serving, hungering, and thirsting for righteousness. Participating in the ministry that God is revealing, and we are walking out day by day. Instead of treating faith like a commodity, like it's subsistence living, I've got to figure out what I'm going to eat today. We're participants in what God has already given us. When I'm hungry for righteousness, I want to see righteousness established in the lives of others. That's what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what it means for me when I say, give me today my, uh, my daily bread, our daily bread. But I want this collectively. I want God's blessings for you and for you. And that li means living in the fullness. When I participate in community like this, I'm participating in what Paul wrote about in Romans 12, this transformation, renewing of our mind. And friends, here's the deal. This does not happen naturally and is difficult for all of us. It's a challenge that we are called to to discern what is between us and the, the word of God. What is between us and the bread of life? What is the media, the medium that might infiltrate it and cause us to get caught up in things that, that are just going to take us off track? Matthew chapter 4, just before this Sermon on the Mount that we're looking at, Jesus was led into this, uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, it says. After fasting 40 days and nights, guess what? He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God which, by the way, was a callback all the way back to Deuteronomy that God has already been speaking with. God's promises have never changed. But twice more, the tempter offers Jesus opportunities and things that could distract him from the truth purpose that God had for Jesus. And in fact, you know, it's interesting, the tempter, the enemy, used the word of God. Let me just tweak this just a little bit and try and get you. 
Let me try and just snare you just a little bit. But Jesus was able to discern the fallacy, rebuke the enemy. Where, where are we getting fed? My desire is that for each one of us that we would hunger and thirst for the bread that only Jesus offers. That we would seek first the kingdom of God as Jesus taught us to pray. That we would trust in grace and mercy over partisanship. That we would, we would look for the bread of life who takes away hunger and thirst, not temporary satiation of our needs for this moment. So what are you hungry for? Where do you go to get fed? And, and I just want to answer that maybe by looking at this, uh, the bread that God gives. What does God give us then when we seek this, when we say, give us today our daily bread? Jesus teaches us this prayer to trust God with our immediate needs, with our physical requirements. Boy, I've got a thousand stories I could tell you about God literally meeting my physical needs. I believe it's true. I've seen it. I've been grateful for God's provision. But also, I, I want to learn to say, uh, give us today our daily bread as a way of asking that God would instill that hunger and thirst for righteousness that reaches out and trusts the Lord. And here's what I know to be true. When we pray this prayer, give us today our daily bread, God is faithful, whether it's for physical things or for spiritual and discipleship growth in our lives. Maybe one side or the other, you're in a place where you're saying, God, I just need to trust you with, with literally what's for dinner. God is faithful. Maybe there's something in your heart, though, that you're saying, ah, yeah, I, I want to be fed by the, the bread of life, not just the wonder bread I've been picking up every morning. And it's interesting, though. Here's where we're going with it. It's interesting when you read the accounts in Scripture about the way God does provide, about when the Lord does give and, and answers prayers, whether, whether they're physical needs or spiritual substance, uh, it looks, it changes the way we look. And here's what, it, when, when we ask God to give us today our daily bread, there's an abundance that we don't even anticipate. John chapter 6, what we're just looking at, did you see the abundance? Nobody had any food. They were all hungry. Jesus feeds all of them. Doesn't just say, hey, here's our appetizers. Here, just have a couple bites and pass it on. He fed thousands of people in abundance, so much so that there was 12 baskets. Every one of the disciples picked up a basket and like, there's a lot of food. There's a lot going on. I think about Psalm 23. There's a picture of God preparing a banquet table. David's entrusting his needs. And it might not look like, give me today, I, I don't know what's going to be on the dinner table, but David's walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He's needing comfort. He's needing restoration. He's in difficult times. And it says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and the symbolism is a, a banqueting full. Not only that, my cup overflows. Everything about this is the craziest thing. I'm in the middle of challenges. I'm in the middle of hardship. I'm in the middle of all sorts of difficulties. It feels like the enemies are closing in. And God says, let me give you abundance in your soul. A feasting in the middle of a battlefield. As we trust the Lord, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Jesus says in Luke 6, a good measure that's pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. I've just finished. I know we're 
We're running out of time, but I'll just read this last quote from Francis Chan. Francis Chan said this, The truth is, uh, I think if God gave us our daily bread, many of us would actually be angry. That's all you're going to give me? You're just going to give me enough to sustain me for today? What about tomorrow or the next year or 10, 20, 30 years from now? I want to know that I'm set up. And yet Jesus says, just pray for your daily provisions. I think that's the truth, whether they're physical needs in our lives or the step of faith that I need to take that gives me a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, give me enough for today and give me the courage to be obedient with what you give me. Can we just take a moment and respond to the Lord's prayer today? Would you join me in a word of prayer? As we trust the Lord with our daily bread. Jesus, we thank you uh, for your good news. We thank you that you taught us to pray because you wanted us to pray like you. And so we're holding you uh, to these words. We're giving thanks because you said this, that we can say, give us today our daily bread. We don't have to make this stuff up. These are your promises. For some of us today in the middle of challenging uh, uh, circumstances, maybe physical difficulties, maybe quite literally give us today, give that our daily bread is the prayer of your heart. Financial circumstances, uh, living arrangements, the, the things that we see uh, on that hierarchy of needs. Yeah, I'm literally questioning what's going to happen. And if that's you, would you be so bold as just to trust the Lord? Say, I'm going to trust you with quite literally my daily bread. I'm going to trust you to provide. I'm going to trust you that you would provide for me even more so than the birds of the air, the flowers in the field because you care about me. For some of us, I, I would pose the question and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to maybe help answer this. What are you hungry, hungry for? Lord, will we be people um, that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Not just for a quick meal, not just for a quick pick-me-up, not just for, for, for a, a, a bolt of energy, but will we be people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, just as, as you've promised that as we seek for you, you are the bread of life and you give something that can never be taken away. Would we hunger and thirst for that every day? God, show us what it looks like to engage in the mission that you've put before us. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We love you and we pray all of this in your name. And together we say, amen. Amen. Well, hey, would you stand as we conclude our time together? Um, like I said, we're going to have some great stuff outside, some, uh, some refreshments, an opportunity just to, to say thank you to Natalie. Um, and I encourage you, invite you to, to take some time to do that. Those events up and coming, the forum and the, the bonfire on the 16th, mark your calendars, they're going to be super fun. I hope you know, each one of you, that I love you dearly, but Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. Have a wonderful Sunday. You are dismissed. God bless you.